0: All right, today uh, my sharing will be uh, a different, will be uh, on missions, okay, on missions, because uh, we just went for a mission trip last month uh, to El Shaddai Ministry, so today I'm going to share a bit uh, on uh, missions, and then later on uh, the mission team will come and share their own experience. So half sermon, half sharing, all right? All right, uh, this morning, just before I start, uh, let me ask you a question. Is the church called to preach the gospel? How many say yes, church is called to preach the gospel? Also, a few hands on here. Okay, how about is the the church called to do uh, social justice and help the marginalized? How many of you think that the church is called to do social justice and help the marginalized? Okay, uh, less hands are less hands. So maybe uh, still quite not sure. Not very sure, all right? Uh, In the 19th and 20th century, there is this movement, uh, this Christian intellectual movement called the Social Gospel. I don't know whether you have heard of it. So it's a time where uh, people started writing that the church ought to uh, express the gospel through social means, uh, social work, social justice. And one of the very famous person who is part of this social gospel, social movement, is none other than uh, uh, Martin Luther King. Okay, I'm sure you all know who is Martin Luther King. He's a Lutheran pastor. He was very involved in the advocacy of civil rights movement uh, okay, uh, in, uh, in America uh, during the um, 1950s to 1960s. Uh, and through his advocacy, of course, we saw some reforms in terms of a civil rights movement in the U.S. Okay, So some, something great that came out of the social gospel movement. And also in uh, over in the West, in England, there is this uh, famous person in the 19th century. His name is called William Wilberforce. Have you heard of William Wilberforce? Okay, William Wilberforce, uh, basically, he... Uh, he's a Christian, you know, he wanted to come out of politics, but his friends say, no, you must continue to be in politics, right? Uh, There's a place for you there. And through his efforts in the 19th century, uh, he actually helped to reform uh, England uh, against slavery. Okay, so in the 1830s, there there is this Slavery Abortion Act in 1933 that was uh, enacted because of William Wilberforce. Uh, being in politics and and, and, uh, basically uh, activism against slavery. So we see all these very good uh, things that come out of the social gospel movement uh, in the 19th centuries and early 20th century. But this movement was also uh, tarnished because it's very much associated with uh, the liberal theologians. Uh, And it was associated with a lot of liberal scholars who started writing that the gospel itself uh, ought to be expressed in humanitarian and social work terms. Ah. So the, the preaching of the gospel began to take a back seat. So he say more important is uh, the people are, are treated well, good works, humanitarian, help the sick, help the poor. So uh, uh, it, it, it gave rise to uh, a lot of liberalism that happened in the West. So for example, a lot of Ivy League universities in the West they all started as very strong Christian organization. But over time, uh, they became more secular. And we have a lot of uh, organizations like um, YMCA, YWCA, Salvation Army, Christian hospitals, Christian schools, who used to be very strong on the spiritual side. Uh, They began to take on a more humanitarian social work institution. So there was a movement. So what happened is that the conservative Christians and the conservative churches begin to look at all this and say, wow, very dangerous, or what if we become like a social work agency? So a lot of uh, Christian churches who are more conservative and, you know, they begin to pull back uh, on the social work aspect. So they begin to just focus on preaching the gospel, planting churches. So they try not to touch on the humanitarian side because they will, do not want to be associated with the social gospel movement. All right, so that was uh, the, the, the state of affairs. But how do we as Christians... I view social work, social reform, uh, social justice. How do we as, as a church, as an individual, look at this whole topic? Are we supposed to just preach the gospel, plant churches? Does the church have a place to play in terms of social reform, social work? All right, so this is what we're going to look at uh, today because it is an HO debate. debate. Huh? Should the church be involved uh, in helping the poor, the sick, or should the church just be focused on preaching the gospel? So the big idea for us uh, this morning is this. Okay, the big idea um, of the previous slide, uh, I'm show my mission team. Okay, I'm going to share uh, some, um, some pictures from the um, mission trip. So basically, there were seven of us. Yeah, my mat's not very good. Seven of us that went for a mission trip uh, to El Shaddai ministry, uh, 9 to thirteen June. So I'm going to share some photos from it as well as I share on this uh, important topic. So the big idea for us uh, this morning is that God cares, for, cares especially for the marginalized, and He wants us to do the same. Okay, so that's what I'm going to talk about uh, this morning. So first point is that God cares for the whole person. Okay, not just the spiritual life. He cares for the whole person, especially the marginalized. Okay, especially the marginalized. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18, uh, it says here, Yahweh executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So here we, we see uh, God's character is that He is someone who will execute justice for the fatherless and the widow. He is someone who will provide and love the marginalized. Okay? That is who He is. That is His character. So the term fatherless and widow basically is a term uh, fatherless, widow, and sojourner. These three terms in the Old Testament is grouped together. More than 30 over times in the Old to represent the marginalized. Okay, uh, whenever these three terms come, uh, it, it's talking about how God cares, especially for the marginalized. So, fatherless and widow doesn't mean that it only refers to these two groups of people, it refers to anybody who is marginalized. It could be people who are handicapped, people who are special needs, uh, people who are the, the minority, those people who are abused. So, the, the Bible uses two terms to represent this group of people who have have no voice, who are taken advantage of. And the word sojourner here means foreigner, alien, non-Jews, Gentiles. So we are quite surprised, hey, how come this word appears in the Old Testament from early days on? We begin to realize that God doesn't just care for the Jews. From the very beginning, God cares for the Gentiles, the foreigners. We are surprised, hey, I thought God only loves uh, the Israelites. But He loves the whole world from the very, very beginning. And he begins to say, love the sojourner, love the foreigner. He tells the to love the foreigner. Why? The reasoning he gives is very simple. He says, you were once a foreigner. Where? Where were they foreigners? In the land of Egypt. How were they treated in Egypt? Badly, right? Okay, they were being oppressed by Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Uh, unjust work doing the uh, building of the, of the, of the, of the walls. All right, so God, Yahweh, keep reminding them, hey, you must love the sojourner because you were once a sojourner. You were mistreated in the land of Egypt. Today, when foreigners come into your land, please don't mistreat them because you have already felt what it means to be mistreated. So as you look at this, well, I said, wow, I didn't know Bible, God tell us to love the foreigner. Because what, as Singaporean, right, we, are, we all have what? We have what? xenophobia or xenophobic, correct or Wow, foreigner, you know, we complain. Oh, why are they making the place dirty? Blah, blah, blah. So we are very used to, uh, you know, a general election. We, oh, why, why are there so many foreigners? So we are very good at voicing uh, against foreigners. But here in this passage, it begins to remind us, hey, how you treat the foreigner, God is looking at it. Because if you treat them wrongly or if you don't love them, God will be the one that executes justice. So quite scary. Okay, it's, it's a, 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 a uh, wake-up call. Hey, you know, uh, better treat the foreigners among us well. All right, don't complain about them uh, so much. All right, so we see in the Old Testament that it's not just this, uh, this command. There are often many commands that shows that God actually cares for the marginalized. So in Exodus 22, verse 21, it says, if you ever ill-treat a foreigner, it says God personally will, will come and vindicate them. If you, if you, uh, in a court of law, you misjudge them, or you blame them, or you wrong them, God Himself will make you a widow and make you fatherless. Quite strong language. Okay, we look at it. So God will stand up for the marginalized and the voiceless. Second thing, we see that uh, in Deuteronomy fourteen twenty-eight, He says that the tithes is not just for the Levites. Every three years, the tithes can be used for widow, widow, widows fatherless as well as sojourners. They can come and take from the tithes and feed themselves. Okay, so we see that. And thirdly, we see in Deuteronomy 24, verse 19, that the Israelites, whenever they do their harvest, okay, they cannot pick up anything and draw on the floor. They cannot go second round. They cannot do the ages. They must all leave it because they say it is for the fatherless, the widows, and the sojourners to pick up. So he always cares for the marginalized, even from the very beginning. How about Jesus himself? We see Jesus himself uh, does the same. Who does he eat with? He often eats with tax collectors and sinners, prostitutes. He, he eats with the, the people that are marginalized, people that are looked down, outcasts, uh, those who are uh, improper. Okay, and uh, uh, he will make effort to see them. That's why the Pharisees were so shocked. Hey, how come you do that? Because uh, no Jew will want do that. And begin to tell them that, hey, he has come to call the righteous uh, and not, uh, and not has come to call the sinners and not the righteous. Those who are sick, not those who are well. So as a church, it's the same. Uh, as a church, uh, we are called to reach out to those who are not like us. Who may not be as, uh, who walk like us or talk like us or have the same educational level or or, or as wealthy, or as, uh, as well-to-do, or don't look like us, don't behave like us. So for the Pharisees, for them to accept somebody, they have this sequence, uh, means they must first believe, second, they must first behave, and then thirdly, they have a sense of belonging. That's how Pharisees operate. Uh. But sadly, many Christians in churches also operate like that. Must first believe, you must behave. Know, first be- believe, then what must you do? you must behave, Ah, then we let you belong. But what is Jesus' model? Jesus' model is very different. Jesus' model is first, you belong first. We let you belong. Come, makan. Second, you believe. Then thirdly, lastly, then we expect you to behave. So it's different. So in the church, we must always be reminded, hey, there will be people who are different from us, Uh, different background, Uh, they they can be backslidden Christian, they became far away from God. They look very different and behave very different from us, but we must be reminded that we must follow the sequence of Jesus and not the sequence of the Pharisees. How about the early church? How did the early church treat the marginalized? Uh, We see that the early church uh, grew greatly because uh, the early church didn't just give tithes. uh. They gave, they sold their possession. They put it at the apostles' feet. Why? So that they are able to distribute the proceeds to anyone who had need. So the early church grew a lot because no one had any need. Everybody who had need, they would take the money, bless them, help them. Uh, it was powerful. Okay, so we see throughout the Bible that we actually worship a God that cares for the marginalized, that fights for the marginalized. So His character and His uh, His personhood is someone who stands up to bullies, someone who stand up uh, to to the people who have no voice. And this is the kind of God that we serve. And He wants us to do the same. So it's amazing, okay? It's very radical in the ancient Near Eastern times to have this kind of commands because the ancient Near Eastern times is that you must take care of yourself. Not not this group, nobody cares about them. But the God of Yahweh is different from the neighboring countries. Second thing uh, we can see is the gospel is not the either-or but a both end. So people have been debating, uh, should we do social work or should we preach the gospel? They're always debating, uh, yes, should we or not? How much should we do? Later we lose our missionary focus. So they're always debating this, is it either or? But if you look at the book of James, James is very clear. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you say to them, go in peace, be warm, and fill, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Okay, very strong words. Uh, And and, and he even says, uh, to the extent, he says religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself untainted from the world so very very strong words and when you read this sometimes uh, you'll be wondering hey this uh, this uh, this James uh, is he advocating salvation by works you know faith plus works is is he asking that a uh, uh, church leader why is he writing all this is he contrary to the gospel sometimes you'll be a bit confused or is it James I? No, what James is saying, if you have genuine faith and if you have a pure faith, a pure religion, it will naturally, the byproduct will be, you will care for the marginalized, you will exhibit works. It's a natural byproduct. If you don't have the natural byproduct, you need to ask, is your faith genuine? Do you actually know the gospel? Uh, there's this famous uh, saying, uh, it says, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Have you heard this, this quote before? How many agree with this quote one? Preach the gospel if necessary, use words. How many agree? Okay, this, this quote is, uh, is used very often, uh, but this quote also got a problem, uh, Because it means what? Actually, you don't need to preach the gospel. You do your good works, but good works people can see. Okay, it's not enough. Okay, good works is important, but it's a both end, remember. It's not either or. Because the gospel itself is the best gift. If I do good to you, if I bless you, I, I feed you, I clothe you, but I don't tell you about the gospel, if I don't tell you that without a relationship with God, you are going to eternal judgment, then actually I don't really love you. Okay, because I'm withholding the best good news, the best present from you. So we definitely need to preach the gospel with words. Uh, And and in Luke 4.43, Jesus himself said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for it was why I was sent for this purpose. Okay, so preaching the gospel is something that is inevitable, indispensable. Okay, uh, we cannot just do good works. We must preach the gospel. Uh, and Jesus himself sends the apostles that they might be with him. He sent them out to, to preach. Preach what? Preach the gospel. And to cast out demons. So as a church, as a Christian, we are supposed to do both good works. But at the same time, we are supposed to preach the gospel and with signs and wonders, supernatural ministry. Okay, so we need both. Both are the same side of a coin. Okay, both sides of the same coin. Okay, and uh, we need to do that because it is not enough just to do one. We are called to love God with all our hearts, a vertical relationship. We're supposed to love our neighbour as ourselves. Okay, the horizontal. So we need both. Both are essentially important and part of the gospel. How about that? Third point. Social work itself is a means, okay, to the spiritual salvation as an end. Okay, it's not equally important. Uh. Spiritual work is the ends and social work is the means. The moment you say, oh, humanitarian is also an end, that's it. Your missions, organization, agency have lost its missionary edge. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, uh, Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that, okay, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Okay? So that they will give glory. That is the end point. Okay, your good works is not the end point. Because when they see you represent uh, representing a church as a Christian, as you do good, when they see that, they say, "Oh wow, uh, you are different. Your guys are different. Why are you are doing that? Oh, it's because of your God, uh, in fa- your Father in heaven, and we want to give glory to that." Okay, so at the end of the day, you must point the good Must point them to to God the Father. If it doesn't, uh, you are not uh, you are not doing it rightly. So some people say oh, we just do uh we don't need to tell them we are from the church. We just do, uh, you don't need to put a church name. don't need to tell them we are Christian. We just bless any organization. doesn't matter. No, 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 no. We must let them know, hey, we are doing this because we believe in Jesus Christ, all right? Because at the end of the day, we want to point them to God. And a lot of times, um, Jesus himself said, what profit is it a man if he gains the whole world? but he forfeits his soul. I can feed you, I can clothe you, I can give you a new home, but at the end of the day, if you lose your soul, then actually you're no profit. I cannot help you beyond this lifetime. Alright, so at the end of the day, what's important is the church is not an NGO, it's not a a social work agency. At the end of the day, we want to point people back to a loving relationship with God, our Creator. That's the end point. Uh, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Alright, uh, physical bread is good, but Jesus is the bread of life, even better. Water is good, but Jesus is the living water, even better. Alright, so uh, we don't do good works, we do God works. Okay, and we want to point people to God. Uh, when I went for this, uh, this trip, um, I, I didn't really uh, expect anything. So we, were went, we, we, we went for outing to help. We, we brought some of the youth out for outing at the park, lah. So, Al Shaddai ministry is quite interesting uh, because they already have a lot of things to do uh, on their hands, uh, all the refugees, students. But a very new initiative they are doing is that they are trying to reach out to international students as if they've got not enough things to do. Okay, so they go to the university and they are looking for people who come from abroad because their mission is diaspora. It means anybody who is uh, a migrant, they, it is their ministry. So recently, they started this outreach to international students. means they go to the local university uh, and they reach out to people from uh, international, uh, like from China, from uh, Pakistan, different con- people who are studying in the university. So how do they engage these people? They tell the international student, hey, we, you want to help us in our social work or not? We are bringing these kids out for our thing. We need volunteers. Can the international student come and volunteer or not? Oh, then the international, yeah, very meaningful. Let, we will volunteer. So very interesting. Uh, when I was there, uh, I thought everybody is uh, a refugee student. Then I, I met this, uh, this group of people. They're from China. I why why are you here? Oh, we are students in the university. We are studying. We are here to volunteer. So I was a bit shocked. I wanted to minister them, but hey, they are volunteer. Okay, okay. Okay, let's go, let's go. Let's help together. So uh, as we were helping and uh, talking to them, uh, I was talking to a, uh, a, a, a China national. Okay, he's there to do his PhD in engineering. Okay, uh, apparently, PhD in uh, Malaysia is cheaper, uh, easier to get. So he's there studying his PhD, and I uh, started engaged engage with him. Uh, so he's trying to learn English as well. so talk to him. And as we talked, right, uh, I began to share the gospel with him. Uh, share share 360. So one hour walk uh, with him, uh, sharing from the gospel, uh, using my Chinese to do apologetics, while he's trying to use his English to reply me to the best of his ability. So it was a uh, very interesting um, experience, and at the end of one hour, he was telling me, right? He said, as a pastor in in uh, in China, it's being looked down on. Nobody do this kind of thing. Right? Do you even get a salary? Can you feed yourself? It is impossible. He said, he said, it's impossible to be a pastor. Uh, your job is very weird. He said, your job is very weird. Nobody does that in China. He told me that because Christianity is so looked down upon. Nobody will support you. Nobody will feed you in China. Then, lo and behold, uh. He's the man in center, his name is Oscar. Okay. Uh, this uh, on on the, on the on the other side, right, is this is this brother who is also in Malaysia and you know what, what his his vocation is or you know? uh, At the end of the one hour, he said, hey, this brother, he's also from from uh, from China. You know why I see he here or not? He's a full-time missionary in China. So Oscar he was shocked. Hey, you mean it's possible? Ah? And this China missionary, he has three kids, raised up in uh, in Malaysia as missionary, so he's also helping the Elshadime ministry. And he was so shocked. He said, "Wow, you mean people do this kind of thing?" Ah? He, in his mind, he's like you're crazy. How can you leave home and then come here? How do you manage to support yourself? And you have three kids. And he was so shocked. And and, and after that, he said, uh, "This missionary friend invited Oscar. Say, hey, come to my house, have a meal." we will feed you. Wow. So it's like, he shared his testimony. So he was so shocked. His jaw dropped. He said, wow, it's possible. So, so God gives us this kind of divine appointment through good works. Uh, it's amazing. We are able to share the gospel. All right? So this is this, uh, 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 something from the mission trip as well that, that surprised me. Hey, wow, it's possible that God engineered this kind of thing. Okay, next. Uh, third point. Is it the point? Fourth point. Fourth point, we must understand in uh, in um. In this whole social uh, gospel versus the gospel, we must understand individual repentance must preside over social reform or activism. It must preside over. Uh, We see that God actually uses uh, people in the Bible like Joseph, Esther, Daniel, in the government, uh, in the hierarchy, uh, top uh, echelon of, of, of politics to influence policy top down. All right, uh, we, we see people like uh, Martin Luther King, William Wilberforce using their activism to, to eliminate racism and slavery. And uh, we give thanks for many Christian uh, ministers in the government. So they are ought to try wherever they are planted. Okay? They, they live out their faith wherever they are planted. We, we believe that is, is good. Okay? They, they are able to influence wherever they are. And it's good because today in this world, Secularism is trying to shut our mouth. Okay? Secularism basically says that, hey, your personal faith, ah, can don't share in public or not. Keep it private. Okay? It's not right to share your personal values in the public space. But very strangely, they will try to impose their worldly values on us ah, in the public space. Ah. Quite, quite, quite strange. And the irony is, they always call us what? Religious bigots. Okay? They say, you are very intolerant. But then at the same time, they are very intolerant of our conservative faith. And values. Very irony, right? So there's a contradiction. So it is important as Christians that we must carry our values in the public space. And don't be shy. It's who we are. We, we are able to do that. Carry our Christian values and not be quiet. Uh we, we should raise our voice when we see something is not right. So there are there are people who, you know, sign petition. Okay, Christian, sign petition, what? Against what? Casino, la, what else? Repeal of three a la. Gay marriages, people sign. It's okay. It's good to, good sign because you need to make some noise you know, about certain things. It's good. But um, where, where do we push it? So for example, there's a movement, All Wear White, to show that we are against the people who wear pink. Is that too much already? You know, so sometimes you must ask this kind of question. Huh? Will that draw them to God? Will that make them feel loved? So those are the questions you need to ask. Or some, people, some Christians say, hey, you must sign uh, the, the, the petition the petition. Because we don't want Adam Lambert to put a concert because he's gay. Do you sign this kind of thing? So you must think, uh, Madonna. No, no, no. Better don't let Madonna come. So we're trying to impose our Christian values on the whole of the Singapore society. you must follow me. Is that correct? So you must ask, uh, okay, uh, where, where do we draw the line? Uh, sometimes we have heard, you know, um, uh, people say, oh, want to Christianize the nation. Christianize means that the kingdom of God is now. We must Christianize every arena of society so that the the government, the nation become Christian because they believe in the kingdom now or dominion theology. Everybody must be Christian. Is that what Jesus is teaching about? Recently, we we heard in the news, right, uh, a non-believer got fined because of wearing what? Shorts, right? Okay, wearing shorts, right? I'm sure you have heard. Well, is that correct? Are we supposed to push that kind of agenda? So those are the things that we need to uh, ask ourselves. Or, or some Western nation, they say, oh, the pastor will even tell the congregation, hey, let's vote for Republicans, okay, because they are more conservative. Is that right? So where do we draw the line uh, in terms of uh, pushing a top-down versus a bottom-up? So as, as Christians, we need to make our voice heard, but we don't believe in a top-down approach because the way to change a society is always through the hearts of men. So we don't need a Christian government. We need more Christian in the government, in different echelon of society, so that the policies that they make will be God-fearing, uh, will be uh, uh, family-based values. Okay? And, and Jesus himself said this. He says, uh, My kingdom is not of this world. Okay? Uh, Jesus was facing a very evil Roman empire, It's very easy for Jesus to get rid of the Roman Empire. And a lot of Jews want him to get rid of the Roman Empire. So they were very disappointed when he was not doing that. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting and I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. So we must know that the way to, to, to move God's kingdom is always bottom up and not top down. Uh, and, And a lot of people say, where is the kingdom of God? Is it we are trying to make a kingdom of God here in Singapore, in the world, through the government? No, no, no. The kingdom of God must begin from the individual. They were asking, where is the kingdom of God? Is it coming? Where is it coming? And Jesus says, no. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It is within you. It must start from there. Only then can you make the change. Only then can you affect different arena of society, different echelon of society and God begin to use you because the kingdom of God is in you. Alright, so um, I'm going to share, uh, uh, open the, 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 the pupit up for different ones who went for the mission trip and, and share how God has used them or impact impacted them through the mission trip. Uh, and I um, want to encourage all of us uh, to begin to ask God, hey, give me a place uh, to, 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 to be involved in your missions, to be involved in caring for the marginalized. All right? So I'm going to show you um, uh, two videos. The first video is the corporate video of El Shaddai, a short video about what they do, so you understand what they are doing. Uh, and then Gerald, who's uh, one of our team members, uh, will share his testimony. All right? Can I have the video?
1: Welcome to El Shaddai Center. We are a faith-based NGO in Malaysia dedicated
2: to serve refugees, stateless people and irregular migrants in Malaysia. Stay with me, let me show you. At El Shaddai Centre, we are committed to helping some of the most vulnerable members of our community. Our programs provide education, social work, vocational learning and healthcare. We believe that everyone deserves the opportunity to reach their full potential and live a fulfilling life. El Shaddai Centre educates children and youth, helping them gain the skills and knowledge needed to succeed. Our preschool education programs provides a nurturing and safe environment for children to learn while our primary education program focuses on developing literacy, numeracy, and critical thinking skills. Our secondary education program prepares students for higher education and the workforce. On top of that, we also run an accelerated learning program to help students catch up on missed schooling, especially for children who enter school at 10 years old and above. El Shaddai Centre provides comprehensive social work services through four main programmes. We provide support for immediate financial difficulties, safety and protection, and also community empowerment and development. We also see the importance of educating the community with more knowledge and right information in guiding them to make better choices and decisions. We play an active role in partnering with various agencies to advocate for greater changes through policies and structural reform. El Shaddai Centre's Vocational Learning Program helps individuals develop the skills they need to pursue their chosen careers. The programme offers tailored vocational courses and hands-on training to prepare individuals for a brighter future. The goal is to empower individuals to build fulfilling careers and contribute to their communities. We also provide healthcare services to the community. Our healthcare program offers medical care and assistance to those in need, ensuring everyone can access essential health services.
1: Thank you for your interest in the works of El Shaddai Center. Your partnership and support is crucial for us to make a difference in the lives of the people we
3: serve. Together, we can have a positive impact to our communities.
4: Hi, everyone. Yeah, so this is Gerald um, currently recording from Indonesia. So, um... hi everyone. Yeah, so this is Gerald um, currently recording from Indonesia. So, um, thanks, Pastor, for the opportunity to share and, uh, you know, my reflections on what happened at the uh, mission trip. So, this trip actually came at a very tight time for me uh, in between. Uh, journeys into Indonesia to expand our business here so a lot is happening at work uh, including setting up the the business setting up the office uh, trying to get sales trying to get our business model running Um, but I think for me first and foremost as a Christian I commit myself um, to doing um, God's work through my life so I think at this point in time I actually um, told God that I wanted to be the hands and feet uh, for whatever that's uh, in store, uh for MCA, so I think God uh, really faced me and challenged me on that aspect, which is why I think at the end of the day uh, uh, we actually made the uh, I made the decision to actually go to um, you know the mission trip. So I wanted to honor God with that, and I'm glad I actually did that, uh, even though I had a very tight schedule. So. Driving in Malaysia was a challenge. I think it was the first time I actually drove into Malaysia. Um, but it was uh, pretty challenging you know, with all the roads and the high speeds. But I think that was very uh, um, interesting mm-hmm. and an experience I won't forget. So thanks to the car crew um, you know, who helped me and kept me awake and able to give us a, you know, make sure that we are there safely. I think through this mission trip, I actually see what um, it means to live for God's glory, and actually dedicate our lives to doing God's work on earth. And actually, uh, it also showed me, uh, gave me a wider picture of what the uh, the body of Christ can do. Each of us are different, and we have different gifts, but we work for the glory of God through uh, the common vision in Jesus Christ. So I I really enjoyed, uh, or rather, I really learned a lot. Uh, or how God equips the cult rather than, you know, he, he calls the equip. So He brings together a lot of broken people and a lot of people who just have the heart to want to serve, and He equips us and teaches us from them on how to heal other broken people. So I also saw a lot on uh, intergenerational poverty and the cycle of uh, economic, uh, you know, destruction for these people at least. maybe the undocumented and also the. The, um marginalised, uh, what people they, they, they have been done to them uh, due to politics, social structures, exploitation, and many other intangible factors. And also a lot of these victims are actually um, women and children. And all these can adversely affect how um, they grow up and their worldview in the future. So I think um, these issues, uh, Uh, not lost on me and actually I had the opportunity during the trip to talk to uh, the organisers of El Shaddai uh, mainly DC, Jason and and, uh, Andrew who is the founder of El Shaddai who actually showed me that a lot of the solutions that we have uh, in our heads or theoretically actually play out very differently on the ground and a lot of problem solving is needed a lot of faith is needed and a lot of skills and resources are needed And actually, a lot of time is needed to uh, work the solutions out to see barefoot. Uh, For example, um, the the Indonesian uh, community center in Malaysia. And these kind of things that just started this year, it might take a while to see the impact of what God is doing in that community. Yeah, so um, from this trip, I think for myself, uh, I become a lot more aware of what, my focus is and how um, God is working in my life and through me and through my business to do um, the things that he has called me to do and uh, my my motivation and my energy has been renewed even though it's very very tiring to do what I'm doing here in Indonesia uh, with just one person yeah so I really want to encourage everyone to continue the good fight and do not be discouraged and to place your energy and faith in God because he knows uh, our path and he actually plans for our future. So, thank you everyone for listening to me. Um, I hope you can have an opportunity to go on a mission trip with El Shaddai as well. Thank you!
5: Thank you, Gerald, all the way from Indonesia. Yeah, so it was, uh, for me, it was a very uh, beautiful experience as well. And uh, yeah, so the El Shaddai, uh, sorry, not the El Shaddai, our team, right, our mission team. Yeah, I can tell I'm very nervous. Okay, the mission team, right, uh, went to the El Shaddai Learning Centre. It's catered for age six to nine years old. And um. All in all, right, uh, throughout the whole entire session, it was very heartwarming for me. It's a very beautiful experience as well. So uh, basically what happened is that uh, these children are given the opportunity to receive education Uh, which both the government and the private schools in Malaysia are not able to give because some of them are refugees and because also that they are undocumented, means uh, they don't have documents like births and so on. So, um, yeah, so these are the children who are in that particular group. Now, uh, when we entered into the class, the class started with a morning prayer. It was very sweet to see how the children honour God. Right at the start of their class Before they have their class proper And then they handed out their time To our team And uh, and to teach The children, so when we went there We taught the children um, How God has blessed them with good Friends and through their good Friends who can support one another in need uh, Through the story of David And Jonathan So when engaging with them, right uh, I felt honoured To serve them as part of El Shaddai's uh, team. It's not like, oh. But it was really beautiful to see all of us in one team. And through that, right, uh, when El Shaddai was give, uh, giving this work, I also get to see that, you know. Um, that how God actually used uh, their work to give hope to the children through education. And it was literally seeing Isaiah chapter 41 verse 17 come to life, you know. It says that when the poor and the needy seek water and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. As these children were going through uh, poverty, they were not being supported wherever they are, it was so beautiful to see God's hand caring for each and every one of them. To me, right, uh, to immerse in such diverse group of people whom God called them beloved as well was very, very humbling for me because I get to experience personally God's love directly. Uh, in my daily life, but when I was there, I get to experience god 's love towards them as well, how God provided shelter, how God provided education food and and these children are so contented and so happy with whatever they have and and it was so it was so nice to also see how God provided support through the mission work that al Shada is having. Um, through their teachers and through the mission team that visit their uh, their schools from time to time as well. So as they do that, right, I was able to observe how these teachers really show support, really show love, and through that, they model. They model it to the children, and the children experience God's love through these teachers and through the mission team that comes and visit them. And because of that, the children too were able to practice um, love and support to their friends. Such as, you know, buying nasi lemak downstairs for their friends or bihun. Even cooked sausages and they cut into smaller pieces Then they share with their friends who doesn't have. You know, such love that was for them. It was so beautiful to see and see really how God cares for them at a very practical level. And, um, this is why I felt that, you know, it was humbling because they receive us with warmth and it's so humbling to be in partnership with God to not just be able to be the hands and feet, that vessel that God can use through caring, through loving, but to also teach the Word of God uh, in the class. So in that four hours of us, you know, the team giving our time, our love, our support, our all attention, right? It was just that little, little bit that we have given. But God used that little bit and spread it like a blanket over them. And the joy that, you know, uh, we received was so much more than we give. And, and it was so beautiful because at the end of the day, I noticed that before we leave, they, they were hugging us, they were asking us, when are you coming back? Are you coming back tomorrow to teach us? That four hours really reap joy, and you know, humility and warmth, and from these children, I, we couldn't exchange that. And really, to be that um, that kind of a uh, that source of love to the children as hands and feet from God was really amazing. So um, I remember there was one time they even shared food with us. Yeah. So uh, I think that little that we give, right? It was it God just multiplied them. And this is one of the experiences I will always take back and I will always bring back to the church and share with you guys and say, come. The mission team is really about partnering with God and God can use the little you have to really give the children the more that they need. Yeah? Thank you all for listening. I'll pass this time to Gyo Hong.
6: All right, good morning, everyone. <coughs> so, Pastor Media has shared with us a little bit about what El Shaddai offers for education. So, earlier on in the video, you already saw uh, some of the works um, that El Shaddai had been doing, part of it under education. They provide uh, what Pastor Media had wrote out for them at the preschool side. So, there, there's primary school education, secondary school education, and another one on top of all that, ALP, so Accelerated Learning Program. When I first heard that I um, last year when we went for the visit, uh, I thought, wow, is it like a uh, program they have special for students who are doing well? But as, as it turns out, it's really for students who come into Malaysia as refugees, right, uh, with their family. They could possibly be maybe 10 years and above without any prior education. What does that mean for them? They can't then uh, integrate into El Shaddai's uh, primary or secondary school education, right? So then, El Shaddai had kind of pulled together this group of students of varying age from 10 and above. So in the class that um, I was conducting a session, uh, two sessions on, on PowerPoint for, um, there were groups, uh, there were ages from 15 to 18. Uh, and in in Accelerated Learning Program, ALP, what El Shaddai attempts to do for the students is to uh, build them out in foundational skills in four years. That's why I accelerated life. In four years, to have at least that um, preschool and primary education, at least that um, put them uh, uh, forward to be able to be do, doing something even when they are 18 years old. So, um, as we, I was doing my sessions and all that, um, and looking at the crowd. So I learned from the teacher there that they come from different nations, from uh, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Sudan, uh, Indonesia, many nations, Myanmar as well. That's why you have the Rohingya uh, people there as well. So we are aware these are from war-torn places, poverty-stricken nations. Uh, My heart just really goes out to them as I was standing in front and just teaching them and reflecting that we are so blessed in Singapore, you know, sometimes we forget, right? Um, we are so blessed with so many things. But for them, just having education itself is with much difficulty. So imagine they have to be uprooted from their home, homeland, their countries of origin, make a perilous journey to Malaysia. Is that definitely not easy? And coming into Malaysia itself it's not easy to settle down in, in where they are as well. And these children then was given the opportunity through El Shaddai to at least um, have some form of um, learning and education so that it will take them further. You see, when they come into Malaysia, they are stateless, right? So what is the aim of these families, the refugee families, is to um, secure a UN card, okay? They need to go through an interview, uh, secure that UN card, uh, and then eventually re- be relocated to countries like um, America, Canada, Australia. So that's their end in mind. So in, in order for them to be able uh, to do well, right, for the interview, minimally if you can speak English, wow, you'll be quite impressed. Therefore, education is so important for the children. And that's why El Shaddai came in to fill this gap. So personally, I mean, be an educator myself and I see the work they do, my heart just really goes out to the, the children that swan, the youths, but also so inspired by Al Shaddai themselves for being able to see what is the impending need and have the foresight to say with education that will bring them forward. So uh, that's why last year I went, this year I went again because I realized, you know, I, I need to be reminded, even as an educator myself in Singapore, the work I do, uh, it goes a long way as being able to support the work there. Um, and so, with that, that's more on a general note of how I've been inspired by uh, El Shaddai. On a more personal note, as I was doing the teaching with the uh, students, you know, they were really, really uh, eager to learn. Uh, rarely do I have uh, sessions where students putting up hands, you can see their hands putting up, you know. Uh, they were very engaged in the, the the activities, the games that we have and the learning itself. Uh, And with just that, you know, that eagerness to learn, it's really because of the fact that they do not have that kind of opportunities like what we have in Singapore. I mean, we really take our education for granted, I must say, right? Education comes for us so easily, so easily available. But for them, the opportunity to just learn new things, it doesn't come so naturally or easily for them. And so with every opportunity they're geared up, you know. And as I reflected upon that, on a more personal note, uh, the Lord then prompted me, what do you hunger and thirst for? What are you eager to learn about the Lord? Oh, it's, a, it's not an easy question. Those are not easy questions to answer. And as I reflected further, um, I realized I thank God for this mission trip. You know, sometimes we need to be pulled out of our, the business of our lives to be refreshed by the Lord, to realize um, there are many things out there that the Lord wants us to be doing. And then to through this whole process, to thirst and hunger for Him. And I was reminded of that song uh, that we know uh, about the deer. Make a guess who who, who knows that song about the deer can hear, yes, as the deer pants for the water. So in Psalms 42 verse 1, that's where the song is taken from. That as the deer pants for the waters, so my soul thirsts for the Lord. Where am I in that? Am I thirsting for the Lord? And imagine for the deer to be panting for the water, maybe have gone for runs and all that, and is tired, thirsty. Wow, that just the water in the mouth so refreshing. And actually, if you think about it, in all our business, we need to take time to just rest in the Lord, come to the Lord, and just spend time with Him. So thankful for this time of uh, being able to be out there, be His hands and feet, to be doing this work. At the end of the day, it seems like we are the one doing so much, you know. But if I thought further, it's not about just me doing the work, but I'm the one who gained from it. At the end of the day, it was for my betterment. So I thank the Lord for the opportunity to be a part of the mission team. You know, at first you said, wow, in a business, like how Gerald is that? Well, how do we find time to do all this? It was tiring for sure. But I tell you, the rewards and what we gain from it uh, definitely outweighs that. And so our encouragement to all of you is as what um, Luke uh, 10 verse 2 says, the harvest is indeed plentiful, right? If you look out there. So much work to be done, but the laborers are few. So come join us uh, in this work uh, to be out there, to be his hands and feet. And with that, I'll hand the time over to Eileen, who will talk a bit more about the mission workers. Yes.
3: Okay. uh, You can see over the big uh, picture over there. Those are the workers, uh, about 20 plus, and we have about they have about four who are doing online, so they meet every Monday to encourage each other and to pray. Okay, so uh, we joined them uh, and um, got to talk to them and to share our prayers and needs. So okay, um, so I talked to about two of them. Uh, one of them is Hoi Yen on the top right-hand corner. Okay, she's actually a worker in the um. Girls' girl's shelter, okay? But she also takes out time to go to um, look after these single mothers with uh, opening a bakery, okay? So, actually, last year was just in talks, but this year they actually started a bakery. So, what happened was I was talking there, I asked her, so can I ask you this question, who provided the bakery or how much did you all need to to, to open? But then I actually answered her, uh, let me guess, it's provided free, right? And she said, yes. Okay, because what happened was like, uh, last year when we went for the mission trip, uh, we heard from the director that, um, you know, like, um, what they want to start, okay? There's there's nothing there, but um, God actually provided buildings, provided uh, bungalows for them. So, it's it's their faith and, you know, that, that really touched me a lot. Okay, I also spoke to another uh, Costa Rica girl in green, I think. Yeah. Okay, so, she's from Costa Rica. She's here to serve for three months, okay. Uh, I was in that group to just share and, you know, learn more about each other and pray. So, um, she actually started, uh, she's a designer and she... Comes here to actually teach uh, the single mothers sewing, okay, to design so that they can uh, earn a living for themselves. Okay, so um, I actually asked her because she says she's a designer. It's like, why may you give up, like a design, being you know a comfortable place and you to come all the way to Malaysia. So she actually told me that um, actually when God opens up or when God gives you something in your heart, um, he opens up ways and means, you know, so many doors that you know that she has to go, you know. So um, she happens, so um, last Wednesday uh, was um, her 30 days, so because they, they go on visas and she has to come out of Malaysia. I actually met her and she actually shared with me, yes, she has two sessions of uh, the sewing. She teaches the, the ladies, and she showed me pictures. And also, she, she says that morning time, she has actually roped in to be an English teacher. Okay, you imagine Costa Rica, her English not very good, and she's an English teacher. But she avails herself, and she actually also told me that I feel so, you know, like, I'm from Costa Rica. My English is not good, but they asked me to do it. But she actually still avails herself to do that. So I actually encouraged her because um, this song that uh, we actually grace by Laura Story. uh, This was introduced at church camp, if some of you remember. Uh, Just read a bit of the words. I actually played this song when we were having dinner at at the food court. And I I know she teared and I I think this song encourages her because it says that at times I may grow weak and feel a bit discouraged, knowing that someone somewhere could do a better job. For who am I to serve you? I know I don't deserve you, and that's the part that burns in my heart and keeps me hanging on. Okay, so um, actually this song also encourages myself also to do more for God because... um, we sometimes ask God, how many times will you pick me up when I keep letting you down? And each time, I will fall short of your glory. How far will forgiveness abound? And you answer, my child, I love you. And as long as you're seeking my face, you walk in the power of my daily sufficient grace. So because of this also, um, yeah, I'm also learning to step up and, uh, I hope that all of you, if God has spoken in your heart to, you know, step up and do what God has been tugging at your heart. Okay, thank you. I'll pass on this to Li Ping. Okay, uh, good
1: morning, everybody. So, I just want to share a little of this, um, this mission trip. Um, Going there expecting nothing but coming back so blessed. Going there, expecting to bless others, but uh, coming back, uh, we are also blessed uh, by God. Right? So I want to talk about home visitation. So one of the days we had to visit two homes. Uh, so we were split into two groups. So each group visited two homes. And the first home we visited was really uh, a family of three from Bangladesh. Um, when I first stepped there, I was really uh, very very surprised. They had little, but they gave so much. We had a beautiful platter of fruits prepared by them, and um, they even prepared a chicken brownie uh, for us. Right? They were so generous. They had so little, but they they were just so generous. Um, so we we talked to them. We ministered to them. They are um, they are non Christians, uh, but you could see, you know. Um, You know, we probably only will visit them once. We are like uh, foreigners, but they treated us with VIP treatment, right? Um, And that really touched my heart. And they were so excited to see us. And they live in a very small place. At best, it's only a 20-foot container, right? So the bathroom is there, the living room is there, the, the bedroom is there. Right, uh, But they were filled with, uh, you could see the excitement on their face when they saw us. And uh, they really extend very warm hospitality to us. So one takeaway I had was I asked myself, if I had that little, would I have served so much from my little that I have, right? Uh, they really gave our be- their best to us. They have not withheld anything. So um, um, that was really great learning from them. The second family that we visited was a family that um, that house got burned down. So they they were staying with uh, the mother's sister. So there were five children. The father is often absent from home because he's in and out of jail. The mother just gave birth to a probably right now will be a seven-week-old son. All right. The eldest uh, of the children was this little girl. I call her Miss Sunshine. Uh, her name is Helen. So they are, uh, what we call them, the Myanmar Chin, all right? Uh, of, um, I think they are believers. Yes, they are Christian, right? And Helen, being the eldest, have to take care of four younger siblings, and they are her step-siblings, okay? Not even her own uh, siblings, step-siblings. Um, she was really, inverted comma, in the absence of her father, who was really like the head of the household, right? Uh, the mother is not very educated. She combed through every document that the, the government gave her mother. Uh, you know, she's able to read and speak perfect English. And this is what El Shaddai has done for this group of refugees. Uh, and um, that's why the Malaysian government uh, recognises them uh, because that is one uh, very powerful thing that they have done, because most of the people that we, s- we have spoken to in schools, uh, in accelerated learning uh, program, they all speak very good English, so we don't struggle with language with them, right? And she's really Miss Sunshine. You know, you look at the circumstances she is in, um, she never said, because of my circumstances, uh, um... She, she's downtrodden, never. She is really what we call Miss Sunshine. She's very positive, uh, very happy. Even when we met her in school, she was always laughing, running to, up to us, hugging us. Uh, so that was really lessons to be learned because it's that this girl did not look at herself nor look at uh, her situation or her circumstances. She looked to God, right? And many times I asked myself, so what have I learned from here? Is that many times... It's always poor thing, poor me. I'm so stressed with work. I'm like this, I'm like that. Uh, But no, I think it's just really teaching me to look up to God, really, who is going to be my provider, right? Who's going to be really my joy, my peace. Not looking at circumstances, um, you know. uh, So that was really a lot of uh, great learning. And there is this lady that actually took us to the home. She's actually a teacher, and uh, what I wa- when I was speaking to her, her name is Sophia. When I was speaking to Sophia, and um, really, indeed, the laborers are few. The harvest is indeed plentiful. So, weekends, what she spent her time doing is actually visiting homes of her students. When you ask them, are they tired? They are very tired, because they have a lot of responsibilities, right? They are not only teachers in the centre, they had to make sure that things are running well. And some of them could be also staying in the shelter, looking after. So they have a lot of duties, right? Um, but I never hear her complain she's tired. She make it a point every week without fail to visit the homes of her students to bring encouragement to the family. So um, that was uh, uh, really good, right? So I mean, it is like I ask myself again, you know, many times God say, who should I send? I'm very quick to say, Why do you send this person, this person, this person, this person? But God when asked me who should I send? I have to think very deep and very hard, right? Am I willing to say here and send me? Right, so um, that is the home visitation. The next thing is, uh, Pastor, Alvin has kindly arranged me to speak, uh, arranged for me to speak to Doctor Chua, or we call him DC in short. Right, uh, basically, I'm at the crossroad of my life. Uh, I have um, officially retired, so that is good news. But I think God wants uh, uh, wants me. Uh, I know He th- wants me to be still and sit before His feet and asked him, right, uh, what is the next stage of my life? So I think by speaking to DC, um, you know, whatever skills we have, however little we may feel that we cannot contribute, Um, but DC is a uh, a person who looks for talent, looks for willingness. And uh, we kind of like, kind of strike a conversation. I think you heard Pastor Elvin talks about international students. So these are people who left their home, okay, from China, basically, mainly a lot of uh, people from China, uh, to come to Malaysia to further their education so that they can provide, there is career as a career prospect for them back in China, and they can provide better for their own family. And they leave their spouse behind, they leave their children behind, and in this international school, um, so they will spend about three to five years uh, trying to obtain PhD, right? So we I mean, I come from HR, so I thought that, okay, if I'm, I've retired, so that's the end of my HR career. Uh, But lo and behold, uh, uh, DC and myself spoke, uh, how could I contribute? So probably one of the things that I can really do is really, um, maybe we are just thinking maybe about teaching them about CVs about interviewing skills so that I can connect with them and also with some of the leaders sitting in so that because they always have like monthly gathering, so it's an opportunity time for us uh, to even show Christ to them. So, uh, you know, God told me this, right? Whatever talent we have, what are we doing with our talent? So don't, don't look down on whatever skills that we have, right? Uh, we must be willing to use the talent. So like what our church theme for this year, dream big start small build deep Um, if you are willing God will take you there thank you
0: Uh, sharing, bless right no time so cannot talk about Generation Church next slide Okay, I want to invite the worship team to come forward as I close uh, this, this time. Uh, three questions. Do you know that uh, Jesus Christ will ask you three questions when He sees you again? Do you all know? Don't know, huh? He won't be asking you, uh, do you get straight A or not? He also won't be asking you, uh, you know, uh, how big is your house? He also won't be asking you, you know, uh, were you promoted to what level? He, he won't be asking you. Or He won't be asking you, you know, uh, you know how, how many children you have or how beautiful is your spouse, or how beautiful is your family. Uh, he won't be asking you that. He'll be asking you three questions, okay? What are the three questions? Uh, in Matthew 24, basically, Jesus talked about end time. End time is coming. And then in Matthew 25, Jesus prepared the people Say, hey, how are you going to prepare for the end times? When you meet me, I'm going to share with you three stories so that with these three parables, you know how to prepare to meet me when I come again. So what are the three questions? Okay? The first question Jesus shared about the parable of the ten virgins, okay? Half of them got enough oil in their lamb, half don't have enough because they wait too long. Where is Jesus coming? So half already, run out already. So by the time the bridegroom come, half of them went and buy oil. So they didn't meet the bridegroom. The first question that the Lord Jesus will ask us when He sees us again is, how did you keep your fire burning for me? First question. Because you wait very long. Uh, Jesus, you say, come back uh, now. Year 2023, 20, where are you? you know, are you sure you are alive? Are you sure you're coming back? But the Lord will come at a time you do not expect. And the Lord will ask you, how did you keep your fire burning? Is it half tank or empty already? Okay, that's the first question. Second question, in the parable of the talents. He talk about, I give you two talents, one talent, five talents. When he comes back, he'll be asking, "Hey, what do you do with the one talent? Uh, the two talent or the five talents? If you say, ah, My talent very small, eh, God, I don't think you will need it lah, in the missions in the kingdom of God. Let me bury it. Leo. Okay, Leo. The Lord will be asking, How did you multiply your time, talent, and treasure for my kingdom? No matter how small, or how big, how do you multiply it? That will He will be asking you. What do you use it for? Is it for your own glory, for your own kingdom, for your own promotion? Or is it for my name's sake? Are you representing me wherever you are placed? So that's the second question. Where's the last question? Are you all ready for the last question? The last question is actually the parable of the sheep and the goats. What's the parable of sheep and goats? He'll be asking, hey, in the parable, he talk about when I was naked, do you clothe me? When I was hungry, do you feed me? When I was in prison, did you visit me? What's he trying to say? He's saying, when you're, you're on earth, you'll stay on earth, how did you minister to the marginalized and the lost who are so close to my heart? And then God's people say, I, I didn't see, uh, Jesus, I didn't, I didn't know it's you. But Jesus says, as much as you did it to the least of my brethren, you're doing it unto me. So as a church, as an individual, we must be confronted with these three questions and begin to ask God, God, use me. Use my life. Use this church for your kingdom's sake, oh Lord. And let us surrender our lives back to God's hand and ask God to use us wherever He has placed us. Let's stand and as, as we allow the message to, to, to marinate our hearts, allow these three questions before the Lord and, and say, Lord, I want to surrender my life. I want to dedicate my life back to you once again. Because when I see you face to face, once again, help to make my life count for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, We did. we confess that many a times things that break your heart doesn't break our heart, O Lord. Things that we desire are things that it's not what you desire, O Lord. But our hearts are far away from you. Our lips give you lip service, O Lord. But even as we hear your word this morning, O Lord, break our hearts for what break yours O Lord Father we give thanks for your heart for the marginalized we give thanks for your heart for the lost we give thanks for your heart for those who are without a voice O Lord Father our hearts are far away from that but this morning Father I want to come back to your throne come back to the foot of the cross once again O Lord and begin to ask O Lord Lord help to keep our fire burning for you O Lord Father even as we wait fill our lives with your oil, Lord, so that we'll keep burning bright for you, Lord, keep our zeal in you, Lord. But even this morning, we want to say we want to give and surrender our five loaves and two fishes, Lord, at the foot of the cross. Use our talents. Use our time. Use our treasure for your kingdom's sake, Lord, and not for our own sake, Lord. We surrender our five loaves and two fishes. Use it every one of us have something to give for your kingdom and finally father we pray you help us to care for those who are hungry for those who are naked for those who are in prison oh Lord. help us that when we think of the least of the brethren we are doing it unto you oh Lord. father may you transform us transform your church so they will continue to give to the marginalized, Continue to give the gospel in terms of good works, in terms of the word of God, O Lord. Set us free, set us on fire for the things that break your heart, O Lord. So Father, we commit ourselves, we commit your church into your hands, O Lord, that we may represent you in this end time harvest, O Lord. So we pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's thanks to the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.